0: letters uh, once again I just want to mention this that We are not saying that the red letters in the Bible are the only important uh, letters or words in the Bible. Every word in the Bible is important, from Genesis to Revelation. It flows together in one common theme, one common stream, ending in the book of Revelations. It's all pointing uh, to Jesus Christ. It's all pointing to Him as the Savior of the world and uh, and how He did that and then the the life that happens after you receive Him into your heart. Uh, The Bible points to that from beginning to end process it's just an awesome thing and so as we look at red letters what we're doing is just simply focusing in on some of the things Jesus said today we're going to be looking at uh, John 15 verses 1 through 17 as we look at the seventh I am statement in the book of John verse 1 and it reads I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser what is a vine dresser it it could be likened to a farmer he's the one taking care of of the vine. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So here we have uh, a God as the vine dresser, the farmer. We have Jesus as the vine. And now he begins to talk about the branches. What are the branches? The branches are you and I. And as I continue to read through the rest of the text today, I would love for you just to notice some of the words that are repeated over and over again. Uh, But I would also like you to notice the transformation that takes place uh, from starting of verse 1 into verse 17. God the farmer, Jesus the vine, we're the branches. The branches all together, may we bear fruit. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. How I many you guys like that verse right there? <laughs> By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, You will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, in other words, obey, 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 these things I have spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, obey Obey. Obey. No longer do I call you servants. Now, here's the transformation that takes place. Here's the picture. God is the farmer, the vine dresser, Jesus the vine, we're the branches, we abide in Him, we get grafted in. That is a really cool picture. If that's taking place, we bear fruit, but even after we bear fruit, He wants us to bear more fruit. And so he prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. Uh, How do we know we're abiding in him? Well, it says right here, obey, 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 follow his commandments. And if we do that, this is the supernatural transformation that takes place. I love this. Look at it right here. No longer, verse 15, do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Look at verse 14. You are my friends. Verse 15. You're no longer servants. You are now friends. What an awesome transformation that takes place. For all I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, obey. So that you will love one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word speaks to us. And I pray that these 17 verses would come alive in this setting today. And they would minister to each and every one of us. God, as we're doing our best to follow you. As we're working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. God, as we're exercising ourselves toward godliness. I pray that these words would be just uh, like nourishment to our spiritual body. Hallelujah. and that we would grow today in Jesus mighty name amen 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 an awesome transformation takes place they go from from servants to friends I'm no longer gonna call you servants I'm going to call you friends God is in to transformation I, I love it there's several verses in the Bible second Corinthians 318 being one of them that talks about how we go from glory to glory That we're not staying the same, but there is a growth that's taking place in our life and that we're going from more to more. I think it's safe to say that every single person sitting in here right now, no matter how awesome your marriage is, that by next year you want it to be more awesome. I got one amen for one husband. I know some of you out there think you've got the best marriage in the world, and that's awesome, and you should. But let me tell you something. As good as your marriage is, it can get better. I've been married for 15 and a half years, and every year my marriage has gotten better. Sometimes it's come through a pruning season. What does pruning look like? It looks like pain, right? It looks like a learning curve. It looks like a learning process, but every year, you know, your marriage can grow, and I think it's safe to say that, well, we want that. I think every single one of us sitting in here right now could look at our finances and say, man, I'm doing good, but you know what? Next year I want to make... I don't think anybody walks into a new year and says, you know what, I just want to make exactly what I made last year. Right? You know, you know this year, I want, I want to make a little less than what I made last year. How many of you guys ever say that, say that for me? You? you know, I just made way too much money last year. It's ridiculous. I think I want to make less this year. <laughs> you no, know, everybody wants to grow. There's a transformation. There's just growth that takes place. Uh, Romans chapter 1 talks about that, that we go from faith to that the faith you have when you enter the kingdom of God, you're saved by grace through faith, and that's awesome, but that faith continues to grow, and that is what God has designed for us, this transformation process that we go from faith to faith, that we grow a little bit more each day, and I think that's probably the desire of all of us. One of the great verses about transformation, Romans chapter 12, y'all probably know which one I'm going to, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, right? And so there's this growth that takes place. All of us love transformation. All of us love growth. We love transformation stories. I mean, look at the movies that you see in Hollywood. Now, I used to to read comic books growing up. Anybody else out there read comic books? Woo! Talk to me. Thank you. One person? Come on. How many of you guys were just stuck in a corner reading your Bible? Don't lie. But if you were, it's a transformation book. I was into comic books. spider Man, right? Batman, Superman, the Marvel comic books. I mean, when they started coming out, Hollywood started coming out with all these Marvel movies, right? Like, I, I was stoked. I still am. Is anybody else out there with me right now? Am I talking to somebody? Okay. Thank you. It's all men raising their hands. Come on, Right? Come on, how the lady's going from the good-looking guy. You don't care about the plot of the story. You no know, when you're here. I know you're in church, but it's OK. You know. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Can you. married a superhero, though, right? So I love these stories. I mean, think about it. I mean, Spider-Man, what a great transformational story. I mean, he's the only guy. I mean, you and I get bit by a spider. We swell up and almost die. <laughs> this dude gets bit by a spider, and he gets supernatural strength. How many of you guys want to get bit by that spider, right? I mean, you can do like stuff on walls and he's got like this strength, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? I mean, sure, it's far-fetched and unbelievable, and I'm sure there's somebody, you know, insane enough out there to try to find a spider and get bit by it. Please don't do that, but, but we like it because he transformed. He goes from this awkward person to this, this person with some, some serious strength. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I, I mean, probably one of the ones we know the best by far that's been out there for a long time is Superman, yeah. right? I mean what is this 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 nerdy guy, right? He's got his you know his whatever, his suit on, his glasses, and everybody ever wonder how come nobody recognized him when his only disguise was a pair of dark red glasses? I mean are we that dumb? Right? I mean his only disguise, is like I thought you were super oh no you're not superman, you know? It's weird to me. But we love that story because he goes into a phone booth, right? And he goes from this, this guy working at a newspaper, and he goes in and he, you know, he rips off his suits. And, has anybody ever heard what happens to his suits also? And there's some nice dressed homeless people in New York, let me tell you right now. Because they got some suits, right? The expensive superhero job. But he rips it off, right? And he comes out of it, and he's got his red cape, his glasses are gone, his hair has more gel in it than before. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? People look up and they're like, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a yeah, we, we love that because there's a sin and he goes back to this geeky little nerdy guy working at this whatever with his glasses, right? We love the stories of transformation. One of my favorite stories of transformation, and I love the true stories, right, the ones that are based on true stories. I love the blind side. How many of you guys have seen the blind side? Okay, I'm touching some hearts right now. All right. The black side, what a great story. I mean, here's this kid coming from the streets, you know, no family, no parents, and someone, some, some rich family takes him in, you know, and, and they get him, you know, into, into football, and, and, you know, and I'm sure the story's exaggerated, all right? But it's still a great story, right? He goes on and plays college football, then he goes to the NFL and plays in the NFL. How many of you know that that story would not be as powerful if it was some rich kid that grew up in a rich home all his life, right? What made it so powerful is this transformation that took place. Here in John chapter 15, we have a powerful story of transformation. And it starts in verse 1, and it gets laid out how the transformation takes place. And we're going to look at that today. But I love this transformation because all of a sudden now, we go from servants to friends. I mean, I can understand why I want to be a friend with Jesus. But sometimes I have a hard time wrapping my mind around why in the world would Jesus want to be a friend with me? What did I do? What can I offer him? How can I be this? I mean, he can turn water into wine. Come on, somebody. That's a friend I want. You're at dinner, and the, and the waiter comes up. would you like some wine? No, just water, please. you save some money. You look at your friend Jesus, Well, what can I? what can I do? Oh, well, I'll clear your plate, Jesus. Well, that's a servant. But he takes it from, from servant to friend. And that is a powerful concept because then in here, he lays out what a friend is. He says, hey, by the way, you know, we're going to be friends. We're going to be like intimate friends. We're going to be close to one another. It, it's a really cool thing. Matter of fact, no greater love has anyone than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. Well, he did that for me. I didn't do that for him. And in the context of this passage, it's not Jesus saying, Hey, by the way, I want you to call me friend. He's saying, Hey, I'm calling you my friend. This is a powerful transformation that takes place. And so now, here's the thing, though, all of us sitting in here now, with that, those glasses on, we we'll begin to think, okay, let's think about some of our friends. Right? And you probably have some really close friends. Some really, you know, lifelong buddies. And they might say they would bullet for you, but, you know, until the it comes, whatever. will never know. Right? When I go down the list of all my friends, because see, here's the thing. They didn't want Jesus to go. They loved being around Jesus. So let's look at it through this length. They wanted to be around Jesus 24-7. Right? Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every time I turn around, I want Jesus there. Okay, now start to think about some of your friends. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Not too many of us have that friend that, that uh, you know, I want them there all the time, every moment. Right? Like, most of us have friends who are like, to, oh, okay, I can't play basketball. I'm so my friends. But I'm not going shopping with you. You've stop. But you can play basketball. Like, I don't want you there all the time. We got, we got people we can hang out with, but let's just be honest, all right? You don't need to name names, <laughs> but there's those people we like to have over to our house for dinner, but when three hours has passed by, we're glad they left. <laughs> and they're your friends. I know, now you're thinking, right? Think about those friends living in your house 24-7. You're starting to think now, aren't you? <laughs> But this is the kind of friend he's talking about. See, when I think about that, there's actually only one person I can do that with that I don't want to kill. She might want to kill me, but I don't want to kill her. And that's my wife. I found a lifelong friend that I want to be with 24-7, all the time, every moment. Some people ask me this question, so what's it like working with your wife? I'm like, it's awesome. How many we can take breaks and do whatever we want? Oh, what are you guys talking about? Know, we can run to the grocery store and go shopping, and come on, people, Richard. You know. I, mean, this is, this, I found the one that I want to spend every moment with, every waking moment. And this is the kind of friend Jesus, Jesus is saying, I want to be with you 24-7. I want you to be with me 24-7. I can understand me wanting to be with him 24-7. What I can't understand is what he calls me friend. What he's saying is, is I want you. That's why the picture uh, of, of, of a church and Jesus is a marriage, is a wedding. Because what he's saying is, is I don't want you just to have me over for dinner for three hours and then want me to go. What I want, the picture I want, the thing that I see in a friendship is, is, is a groom and a bride coming together, inseparable, there all the time, waking up. Oh, there you are. That's what Jesus is talking about. So he goes from servant. Listen, I hope you ain't waking up next to your servant. I'll tell you what, for the last 15 and a half years, I've got to wake up next to my best friend every single morning. And I get to kiss my best friend. That's a friend with benefits. Come on, somebody. I get to to kiss her, my best friend, good night every single night. Sure, there's been those moments where I'm all a speaking, where she was unable to attend. Can I tell you, I don't sleep real well. I, we're not like huge cuddlers. Matter of fact, you cuddle for a little bit, then she'll push me away and say, "Okay, I'm getting hot. I'm ready to sleep now." <laughs> but just the fact that she's not in my bed when I'm traveling, i like, I can't sleep. Fuck, that. See, now I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, put anything on anybody here. But I don't understand when I talk to guys and they're like, "I'm going on a bad trip. this needs some guy time." <laughs> Now, I'm not putting it down. Now, now, if that's you, now, good. Now, you're working out your own marriage with fear and trembling, okay? <laughs> Exercising yourself through marriage. That's fine. But me, I don't get that. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I, don't, I get no pleasure of going on a three-day trip with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. We want to go play basketball for a couple of hours? Cool. You want me to spend the night in a hotel room with you? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> You know, guys, I'm going to go on my little trip and get away and, you know, I'm going to go to Vegas. And... Without your wife, that is not smart. <laughs> okay. This is what Jesus is talking about. You're my friend. I want to be with you all the time, 20. And then he begins to go, 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 talk about, here's how this whole, here's how this whole thing breaks down. Here's how it works. The main characters, God, the farmer, the vine dresser, Jesus, the vine, we are the branches. A couple of words I want to highlight real quickly for you are this. Because I saw these in the text and I kind of had to look at them a little deeper and say, okay, what, what, what does it mean when he says right off the bat, the seventh I am statement in the book of John, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, which could, could give the context that maybe there's other vines out there. I'm the true vine, but okay, wait a second, what do you mean? He could have just said I'm the vine, but he didn't, he said I'm the true vine. In other words, there's some things that are taking place here. There's some posers out there that would say, hey, you know what, plug into me and you'll find eternal life. So, so, so there's, other, there's other paths. That you can follow, and they might claim to be, you know, the way the truth, of life. They might claim that that you can find something there. But let me tell you something. I'm Jesus. I'm the true vine. I'm the one and only vine. Yeah. It's it's another claim uh, that he makes that I am God incarnate here on the earth. A lot of other religions, A lot of people claiming stuff. Let me just set some things in order. I, Jesus, I'm the true vine, and my Father, He's the one that sent me. He's the farmer. He's, he's the vine dresser. He's the one that, that, that has my back. I got your back. Then the three of us together, we're going to be fruitful. We're going to multiply. That's me. But it's also a statement separating them from their past. Because up until this statement, many of the people still looked to Israel as the vine, The people of God. That if you, were, if you were of this tribe, if you were of this nation, if you were of this group, then you're in, you're in the true vine. And what Jesus is saying now, he's saying, look, stop looking to the past. 2 so Corinthians five seventeen. all things are passed away, behold, all things have become brand new. I am the true vine, Israel, and they're my chosen people, but they blew it. So now Jesus comes on the scene to redeem all of that and to be what Israel never could be source, the true God. So stop looking to the old. Stop looking to that. And and this is what he does. He levels the playing field. He says, look, man, it's not about being a part of that nation. It's not about Jew. It's not about Gentile. It's not about male. It's not about female. Any branch that is in me. I'm the true God. Jesus makes his statement. He is the one. The only, the true vine. As you were reading through the text with me this morning, you probably saw this word abide come out quite a bit. Abide, abide, abide. Matter of fact, 11 times in 17 verses, this word abide comes into play. 40 times in the entire Gospels it's mentioned, 27 times in John's epistle. Abide, abide, abide. So we should probably look to see what he means by abide. If the branch abides in, me. It means to stay, wait for, continue to exist in, to keep on. If you do that, if you stay in me, if you exist in me, if you keep on. See, that, that's, that, that's the cool part. It, it's not just a one-time, oh. It's stay there, grafted in, a part of. There, your life will be fruitful. That's why I believe Matthew 24, 13 says, He who endures till the end shall be saved. It is not just crafted, pull away, okay, I feel good. It's just staying. Staying in Jesus. Abide. To stay. To wait for. Continue in. To exist. To keep on. He who endures to the end shall be then Then there's just this one that I love, this, this, this fruit. If you're in me, you abide in me. You stay in me, and there's going to be fruit. But then it begs the question of, okay, well, what's the fruit of life? What does that mean? Fruit. Fruit. If you read through this, 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 this again, you'll notice that it goes from bearing fruit to bearing more fruit, to bearing much fruit, to bearing fruit that remains or abides, is the word John uses. And so there's this progression of the fruit that takes place. Fruit is a common thing, Genesis 1.28. What was the first command that God gave Adam and Eve? Right. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth. First man, be fruitful. And so he carries this theme all throughout Scripture. And here in John it comes up, be fruitful and multiply. Man, get married and have lots of babies. Come on, somebody. And then after that, you know what? It's not just about that, but there's this spiritual fruitfulness. Sharing the gospel with others and seeing them come to know Jesus. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth. In the case of Israel, this fruitfulness was love. It was obedience. It was righteousness. And it was justice. And we still need that greater context of what, what the fruit is. You can go to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 encourages us to walk in the Spirit so that we don't gratify the flesh. And it goes into the fruits of walking in the flesh. But then in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit are these things. So in other words, if you're abiding in me, how do we know that we're abiding in God? We'll see these things. Or Jesus will see these things in our life. Here they are. It's a text, right? You just look right here. How do I know I'm We'll talk in a minute what what does it mean how do I abide. I I look at Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and one that we all love, self-control. Now I want you to know something. It doesn't say the fruits, plural, of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit, singular. So it's like an apple. It's crunchy, at least the way I like them. How many of you guys like crunchy apples? How many of you guys like soft apples? One person. Right. If it's in an apple pie, make it soft. <laughs> but the apple is crunchy. It's juicy. It's sweet. It's, that's the apple. It's not. And that one apple is crunchy, and then one apple is sweet, and then one apple is. It's saying the fruit of the Spirit. And so, in other words, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I don't have one of these, if I just have one of these, it's not like I have one of the fruits of the Spirit. I got gentle. <laughs> Good. You're, you're, you're gentle by nature, but that doesn't mean you have the fruit of the Spirit. Right? It's these things. This is the fruit of, of the Spirit. We see what the fruit is. But here he talks about the branches, the branches, four types of branches mentioned. There's the one that it has abundant fruit mentioned lastly, right? The fruit that remains, the fruit that abides. Interesting that he uses abide again him because he's talking about abiding in him. And then he talks about, man, if you abide in me and you're bearing much fruit, but that fruit that abides, the fruit that comes off of you, it's not really true fruit until it comes full circle and comes back and abides in that's the fruit that comes from our life. So we have that, that one branch that's abundant in him and there's stuff coming off it, but he starts out talking about some of the branches. The first one is this, the branch that is not bearing fruit. Okay? The branch that isn't bearing fruit. Now notice that the first branch we mentioned, it's abiding in him, but it's not bearing fruit. So is it possible than to be in a season where we are abiding in Jesus, but yet there's no fruit coming from our life. Now, here's the scary thing about the scripture. A lot of people read that and they say, they see this, and they say, okay, the fruit that, that, that or the branch that abides, it's not bearing fruit. And in, in this passage, the way they word it, let's just look at it again. 15. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It's in him not bearing fruit takes away and then we'll read through we'll get to the last part that it talks about branches that aren't in him and therefore they're not bearing fruit and they're taken away and what they're thrown into the fire and so many people will couple this first branch with that third branch and when they see the word take away they think it literally means take away from the vine how I many guys have heard that before you're not bearing to give price you're not bearing fruit and you know what <laughs> Anybody heard that before? a few of you, right? That sucks. Right? Because it puts it this way. It's it's kind of of legalistic. You're not producing as a Christian. So you know what? That's totally contrary to the scripture. Because look at the context of what he's saying. You're no longer going to be servants. You're going to be friends. I mean, how many of you guys want to your wife, to one day, you know, you didn't, you know, take out the trash. We're done. <laughs> you did not perform today. You didn't take out the trash. I asked you to do some dishes while I was running the kids around here, and nothing happened. You're know, we're done. That's not a very fun marriage to be in. Right? You're going to walk around looking over your shoulder the whole That's not a very fun relationship to be in with Jesus, is it? You blew it. It's over. We're done. You're not producing as a Christian. You lazy, ungodly, irresponsible people. To me, that goes completely against the gospel. If we look at the word take away, and we take it back to its original text, it's this. It means that 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 taken away means to lift up or to take up. To lift up or take up. Completely different, right? Let's put, put it in this context, okay? If you're in me and you're not producing fruit, I'm going to lift you up. That's, that's the actual text. Now that's totally different, right? Come on, now that's a wife I want. Come on, with somebody. Uh, I just got done pruning a fruit tree, and we have a pomela tree, okay? I didn't know you know what a pomela tree was. I didn't even know I had pomelas in my back until these big things started growing on this tree. And so we picked all these pomelos off and then I went and, and, and pruned back. But see, there's, there's some branches that were, that were so saggy because the fruit was so heavy, that what I had to do is I had to, to prop that branch up so that the fruit would actually mature. I had to help it, okay? I have some roses in my, in my, in my backyard and I thank God for Google, i not be killing every plant I have. <laughs> And so these roses, I learned that if you plant ropes just too close together, that, that what happens is they don't get enough air in there, and then therefore the flowers won't bloom. Okay? So, so it, needs, it needs to have some clearing in it. And then there's branches that are fine, so what do you have to do? You have to prop those branches up. I have a jasmine plant, and it's a viney jasmine. Viney jasmine don't like to just lay on the ground, they like to be propped up and to grow. And if I do that to them, man, they flourish. Jesus is saying, hey, look, you abide in me? Awesome. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. But you're going through a season where there's no fruit in your life? Here's what I'm going to do. By my grace, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to lift you up so that you can just be a little bit higher, so that my grace and my love and mercy can touch you just a little bit more, because I have your best intention at heart, and I want to see fruit coming from your life. So I'm going to lift you up. He's not going to come and (laughs) touch you. When I was little, I, I made, I, we lived on a lake for a season. I know it sounds really nice, right? We lived on a lake, on a little dock, a fun, fun place. My mom didn't like the house, but I did And I made this little sailboat. And I thought it'd be a brilliant idea to put it out on the lake. A more brilliant idea would have been to tie a string to it before I put it out on the lake. <laughs> but I didn't. And sure enough, I put that little sailboat down, and the wind came up, and it, and it blew this little sailboat out on the water. And me and my brother were like, that is awesome, look on a sailboat. And then all of a sudden reality's am I'm like, it's gone. <laughs> right? And so then, I, I, you know what I did? I started taking these big rocks and I started chucking on my boat. And my brother's like, what are you doing? That's our boat. You're going to destroy it. Why are you trying to kill the boat, you know? Why are you playing battleship all of a sudden? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm trying to throw the rock beyond the sailboat. So that the ripple will push it back. And see a lot of us sometimes we look at God and we think that God's mad at us. And that he's throwing things at us. But really what he's doing is trying to create some ripples in your life to pull you back to where he wants you to be. Look at the story of the prodigal son. What's the story of the prodigal son all about? Was it about the son returning to the father? Or was it about the father welcoming him in? Because the son came back and said, I'll be a hired hand. But the father said, no, you're going to be more than that. And brought it back in. If you're not very fruit in your life right now. And get, I come to church now. I love Jesus. I'm a Bible, You know what? By his grace, he just wants to come and just prop you up a little bit. But then there's the other branch, the one that is very it's the one that kicks us all off. It's the one that's bearing fruit, and all of a sudden, schwack. My arm's good. I like my arm. I call those things. Shwack! I want you to bear even more fruit next time around. But the only way you can continue to bear fruit is if you get pruned, yeah. much like my pomelo tree. Hopefully I'll prune it properly, we'll know next time around. <laughs> my wife came out and saw what I did, she goes, is that how you're supposed to prune a fruit tree? I like, I, I, did. I forgot to Google it, I don't know. <laughs> but he comes in, and I wish I wish we could kind of tell when the pruning season was coming or how that's gonna take place. But it just seems like sometimes he uses a saw. Sometimes it's a dull saw. You know, it's like, God, what are you doing? This is painful. Sometimes he uses a butter knife. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I broke one branch off the other day. It wasn't coming, so I just, it. I just started yanking on it. it. Finally came off. It looks ugly. controversy, through struggle, and through pain that the pruning takes place. Wow. But then there is this third branch here. The third branch is the one that, listen to it, it doesn't abide in him. And those are the ones that he takes away. I I cut so many branches off like a military man, and I piled them up. And if I would let them sit there, they would just rot. Took them, threw them in the trash. They're good for nothing. They're no longer a part of the vine. It's impossible for them to bear fruit. I could cut all of the branches off the tree, guess what? The tree's going to continue to grow. It'll even sprout Probably branches. But never will the branch produce anything apart from the, the vine. And the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen, is that we find ourselves somewhere in one of these categories. We're either the branch that's abiding but not producing fruit. And can I just say something? Stop getting down on yourself. Allow his grace to come in and prop you up. If you're not seeing dreams fulfilled, you're not seeing, man, this passion in your life that you have. Man, I don't see it coming to fruition. Something's not enough to get it. Just chill say, God, I need your grace, and that it'll come and prop you up so that you get the right sunlight, you get the right rain, you get the right, and all of a sudden, pretty soon. But see, you know, us as Christians know what we like to do, oh, that one's not producing fruit. Uh, When they start producing, maybe I'll have time for them. Maybe, maybe, let me rephrase that, this is what we do as pastors. Not, if it's, and I don't know where we as branches get off bashing other branches, <laughs> right? I if I walked out one day and saw one of the Pamela branches just whacking <laughs> one <of> the other one, <laughs> <branches>, whoa! <laughs> What's wrong with you, right? And here's the thing. especially as leaders, and maybe even more so as Christians. The one that you shared the gospel with, and you're just like, i they it? They are getting it. Just because you don't see this, because look at it. The, the, the binding principle is longevity. I mean, yes, I wish the minute we were like, boop, boop, fruit, instantly. It doesn't happen. Okay, it's not a Chia pet where you water it, right? Fruit tree. Chia pets are ugly. Sorry if I just ruined somebody's garden. Branch. <laughs> so let me ask you today, what, what branch are you? If there's fruit in your life right now and you see it, it's like, wow, there's like, coming with a butter knife or a dull song or something. <laughs> if there's no fruit in your life, the question you have to ask yourself, is, am I in a season where I just need his grace to come and lift me up? Or am I not abiding? Either. And yes, don't get me wrong, there are those branches that they look like they're abiding. On my rose bush, they're called sucker branches. And they get really big, and it's like, But there's nothing coming off of a Sucker branch, cut it off. Sure, there's those. But the reality is is that most of us are one of these three. We're either in that season where we're about to get pruned, We're in that season where his grace needs to lift us up. Or maybe we need to ask ourselves this question, am I even grafted in? Because if I'm grafted in, there's fruit that will eventually come in my life. And so you might be sitting there today and you might be thinking, man, you know, and here's the, here's the thing, because if there's fruit, there's obedience. We saw that. How do I abide? Simple, you obey. One word. See, a lot of us want to go to Galatians 5. We say, okay, if I have love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, of gentleness, self-control, then I abide. No, that's the result of abiding. See, we, we, we get that flipped sometimes, so then we find ourselves in a works mentality. And we try to love people more so that I can be a part of the vine. We try to serve people more so that I can be a part of them i got to have more self-control so that I can be a part of the vine and bear fruit. No, you're looking at it backwards. If you want all those things, you've got to go back to the root source, and the root source is, are you abiding in him? Because if you're abiding in him, then guess what? Then there's love, then there's joy, then there's peace. He even said in John 15, his joy would be yeah. abundant if you abide in him. If you're lacking joy, it's not because you need to pray more. It's not because you need to read the Bible more. It's not because you need to come to church more. But see, that's what all my pastors told me in the past. Oh, you're going through a dark season? Just pray more. How long, praying? I'm ticked off of him. Oh, you're going through a rough pasture? You just need a fast. No. I want (laughs) food. When I'm upset, give me a gallon of ice cream. Follow somebody. (laughs) Moose traps, preferably. Chocolate cup. All backwards and we say, Hey, produce, then you're gonna buy. But Jesus says, abide, then you'll produce.
1: And if you're not producing,
0: I'm not gonna cut you off. Like some people would like to say, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna lift you up. So you're fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth with my glory. So if you're here today and you're struggling, you sitting Man, I got I got some anger issues, and you're going back and you're trying to take care of the Oh, just, just chill and just abide. Well, how do I bypass or obey? Obey what? Whatever he says. How do I know what he's saying? It goes into the bone movement and it changes. You know? abide. 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 If you abide in him, you will eventually you abide in Him, you will eventually experience joy. If you abide in Him, and He abides in you, you can ask whatever you want of the Father, and it will be given to you. God, we thank You for Your Word today. God, we thank You that Your Word is absolutely